Welcome to Ground Truth, a Phantom Auto podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ground Truth, a Phantom Auto podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Today, we're discussing who Phantom Auto is and the teleoperations solution. What is it? You'll have to listen to the rest of the episode to find out as I'm talking to Jordan Sanders, the VP of Business and Marketing at Phantom Auto. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Excited to uh, to be on with you. Well, we're excited to have you, excited to uh, to get this episode going. So, uh, Jordan, let's start off here. Just to give the audience um, an idea of who Phantom Auto is and what your mission as a company is. Yeah, sure. So, Phantom Auto uh, is a company that provides remote operation software for all types of vehicles. And when I say remote operation, I mean uh, providing uh, the ability for humans sitting 10, 100, even thousands of miles away from uh, a vehicle on a site to actually remotely operate a vehicle on that site. Um, and when I say you know, all types of vehicles, our customer base includes uh, uh, logistics operators who are operating forklifts, yard trucks, uh, robots for delivery and security and other applications, um, and even cars, um, so actually robo-taxis and passenger vehicles. Um, so we provide an interoperable solution um, to enable, uh, again, remote operation of all of those vehicles. Um, and really, the you know across all those applications, what our software really delivers for customers is uh, kind of transforming their operations and virtualizing their operations. That's really fascinating. And uh, like from my perspective, like you work with uh, so many different uh, areas and so many different industries. Really, when you talk about forklifts, deliveries, they, you know, all of these certain certain all of these different things. What pain points were you noticing in these industries that that you're trying to help address and, and really help out with? Kind of give me the idea of like. What the genesis of this idea was? Yeah, so there's really uh, I'd say there's two uh, major trends happening in I'd say transportation broadly. Um, one is the advent of autonomous vehicles and autonomous vehicles. That's not just robo taxis, um, though. I'd say robo taxis have really made um, a lot of headlines in the last few years, and there's you've seen a lot an influx of you know venture capital money, et cetera. Um, and, and major investments from corporations into into that realm. Uh, what we're really seeing is kind of a trickle down or, a, or an explosion, sort of, of uh, say the commoditization of of sensors and software to enable autonomous, uh, you know, uh, applications or autonomous vehicles to be uh, really uh, first scaled in what we would term industrial logistics applications, things like trucks and uh, forklifts and robots operating in, in and around warehouses. Um, so that's kind of one, that's one piece of it. And uh, the other piece is really uh, the, you know, the labor shortage and the um, kind of need um, highlighted, frankly, by, by COVID for supply chain resilience. Um, and so those kind of two major trends of um, the proliferation uh, and promise of autonomous technology and uh, that paired with really this this need for um, you know uh, companies and logistics operators to uh, provide more opportunity uh, to their labor force to actually expand their labor pool, et cetera. Those are kind of the two major trends driving adoption of our technology. And the main reason for that is that there are kind of two ways that our technology is applied. One is, to kind of enable uh, the greatest uptime and safety and reliability of an autonomous vehicle. So an autonomous vehicle, let's take a, um, an autonomous robot, for example. Um, if an autonomous robot is operating autonomously and uh, something weird happens, you know, uh, something unexpected happens, um, it's not sure how to proceed, 
that autonomous robot can stop, uh, actually connect uh, to a, re a remote person sitting again up to hundreds or thousands of miles away even. Um, and that person can take a look at the scenario and help the robot navigate around it. That can look like actually driving the robot um, with a steering wheel or with some joysticks, maybe providing an input. Um, but fundamentally, you're, you're helping the autonomous system navigate through a scenario and then continue to navigate autonomously. So that's one application of our technology. The second application, and really where we're seeing a lot of demand and a lot of growth, is actually in fully remotely operated uh, vehicles. And that really is where you just you have um, you know a person um, or a bank of people who again are sitting hundreds to thousands of miles away, and they can uh, take control and, and say drive a forklift exactly the way they would if they were sitting inside that forklift. And at the click of a button, they can connect to a forklift in um, you know site A, uh, complete a job, um, complete a series of jobs. Once that job is done, click of another button. That same person can kind of teleport. Uh, to an entirely different site, maybe an entirely different vehicle, and do the job. And what that does is it really just kind of transforms what you're able, what your workforce is able to do. It, it means it has huge implications for your operations, for the day-to-day, uh, -day, uh, you know, experience of your workers. Um, and of course, you know, underlying all of this is increasing safety, right? And so whenever, if you can remove a human from, uh, say, a warehouse environment um, and put them in a comfortable office, again, you kind of change the nature of that person's uh, job. And obviously, there's a lot of, um, you know, increased safety because you're, you're removing a human from a potentially hazardous uh, environment. That's a really good point. Now, I wanted to talk about that that safety aspect, but but one of the things that I, I think about now is what does this look like from the driver side? Do do they do this from a, a regular um, like a keyboard, or is there a joystick or something like that? Kind of uh, talk me through what the what the interface and what the experience is for a driver. Yeah, yeah, good good question. So. Um, it actually varies across vehicle types exactly what, uh, say, the hardware or the user interface, the software user interface looks like. Um, so we have customers, say, um, in the delivery robot space who are using um, just a single monitor, even a laptop, and using a joystick, um, so a handheld controller. Um, we also have some customers who are actually using um, the keys on the, key on the keyboard um, to, to remotely oversee and operate delivery robots. Uh, for forklifts, uh, typically it's a single monitor um, and uh, maybe, you know, of whatever size kind of of our customers choosing um, and typically a steering wheel and a, and a joystick. But really, the way that we've designed our software is to be extremely flexible to enable all types of uh, interfaces uh, for and, and again, we select interfaces, both physical and software uh, based on the, the vehicle type um, that you're operating based on the environment that that vehicle will be operating in and really based on um, you know, uh, customer preference as well. Uh, one of the things we've really focused on is making sure that the requirements for that remote operator console are not uh, you know, extremely stringent, that this is all commodity hardware. It's, it's literally um, you know, stuff that uh, is already in, say, the, uh, the um, you know, procurement cycle, say, of our customers. We're talking you know, standard uh, monitors, standard computer, and, you know, and uh, again, very uh, kind of commoditized, even controller types, whether it's a steering wheel, joysticks, or, or, or something else. And that's really a key for scalability. Um, and what that also has enabled some of our customers to do um, is even to have their remote operators uh, work from home. Um, so actually have at-home setups um, where they can, can do this job. And that's, again, it's just, it's really exciting. And it's actually one of the things that 
um, we saw um, come about due to COVID. One of our existing customers, um, this is public, uh, kind of publicly inform uh, public information. Uh, one of our customers, Postmates, um, who again is a delivery robot customer, they had previously had remote operators sitting in a centralized remote control center. So coming into an office every day and sitting, you know, at desks next to next to colleagues to remotely oversee their delivery robots. The onset of COVID, obviously, um, you know, uh, suddenly they were under the same constraint that everyone else was of, you know, do we have people come into the office or not? Um, and so they sh uh, shifted to a fully distributed uh, remote operator workforce and having all of their remote operators work from home. Um, and because of the kind of flexibility of our software and our technology, it was very easy for them to, to do that and to still, um, you know, importantly, maintain uh, you know, efficient kind of oversight of those remote operators and kind of managing those remote operations. That's that's really really incredible. Uh, so, can this be can, can like let's take the example of a forklift or or something like that? Can that be retrofitted to uh, you know to to be able to utilize uh, your software and the the hardware that you provide and that sort of thing? Or does this does this go on new models and that sort of thing? Yeah, good question. So the way that we've designed our software is to be uh, OEM agnostic or, uh, you know, no matter what the make and model of, of uh, the vehicle, it's likely that our software can integrate. Um, we typically um, uh, do work on, let's say, newer uh, vehicles, those that are, especially in forklifts, that are electric and um, have some form of drive-by-wire interface or uh, the ability to kind of uh, digitally or electronically control uh, the vehicle. Um, so those are typically newer models, but really one of the uh, reasons that we're so, uh, again, because we work across so many spaces, when, at, when we look at forklifts and we look at this industry, because there actually is kind of broad electrification and there is this, um, really, I think forklifts are kind of ahead of the game compared to some other logistics and industrial vehicle types uh, in uh, the drive-by-wire, that, that ability to actually, you know, control the vehicle um, in, a, in a more kind of a seamless way. Um, that's, you know, it's actually one of the big advantages we think of kind of working, working in this market. Um, but for us, really fundamentally, again, what we provide is this interoperable software that enables humans to oversee all types of vehicles in a logistics operator's fleet. So it's real, that flexibility and integrability is really, really important. And it's why we designed the product in a way that, uh, truly the same software can be, you know, is dropped onto, uh, a let's say a Mitsubishi uh, Logisnex forklift where we have a partnership with them. That same software can be dropped uh, into forklifts from say uh, Fenwick Lindy, um, another one of our uh, you know OEM partners uh, who uh, we work we are working with um, to serve customers like Geotis and others in the EU. So very flexible and um, and I'd say that's again it's a big advantage of our software and of our technology is that it doesn't have really stringent let's say hardware requirements um, and, it, and it does have a flexible architecture. So Jordan, one of the things you said that just then that, that that I thought was really interesting was that you know a single person can obviously operate you know multiple different machines throughout the course of a day, right? And, and I suppose when you hear people talk about you know the future, what you know what what facilities are going to look like and that sort of thing, I think people always picture uh, robots that just drive themselves around and do that sort of thing. But it, it seems that that what you're doing is is almost more um, more innovative and more important to me because it keeps human beings at the center of the vehicles, right? Like uh, it's still a human that's in control of things, but it's just in a different location. A keeping them safer and B allowing them to do multiple different things throughout a day. Was that important to you to when, when you were considering? Okay, what are these solutions going to look like? 
keeping human beings at the center and still utilizing human, you know, um, the, the way that humans are going to drive one of these vehicles. Was that important to you guys? Uh, yeah, by the way, we're, we're hiring for sales, by the way. That's no, you really get it. Um, <laughs> uh, that's uh, fundamentally what no matter what, uh, where our, our software is being applied, our uh, goal, our customers' goals, and our view of the future is that humans will be at the center of this future. Um, and I don't think that that's, um, we don't view that as a, it shouldn't be a shocking claim, and, and it should be something that I think we all actually want, right? Um, technology uh, of any type is an incredible lever for human output, right? And for what humans want to accomplish. And so as we start looking, so you mentioned the warehouse environments, and as you start talking about, say, lights out warehouse uh, uh, warehouses, which is what a lot of our customers, you know, uh, envision in the future is having, you know, uh, even potentially, you know, say no one uh, on the factory floor, right? Um, again, I think that is, is a long way away. But we don't see a future where that, say, that is what the warehouse looks like, and there's not a whole lot of humans uh, enabling that operation. Um, so uh, robots are great, um, and autonomous technology and autonomous robots you know, are great. They have a lot of promise. Um, but fundamentally, they, they do the jobs that humans tell them to do, right? And when there are exceptions, when, when the robots, say, get confused or need, to, need help, uh, there's humans are really, really good at, at figuring out what's going on, figuring out what, you know, and taking a look at a situation and, uh, and resolving it. Um, and, and if you um, kind of work in this autonomous technology space, you both know the promise and the amazing capabilities of autonomous uh, vehicles. But you also know that there you know, are some limitations, right, especially to scalability and especially to thinking about rolling out autonomous systems broadly, right, in your operations. Um, in order for a logistics operator to do that, um, you have to have confidence that, you know, that no matter what happens, that, you know, that uh, trailer is going to get loaded, that trailer is going to get unloaded, right? So really, our view of the future is that humans will, will be in control of the robots. Um, and um, that is actually how we are going to, you know, we and our customers are going to enable a lot greater output and, and kind of to really enable the future that we all want. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's really our, our core focus. It's human centered technology. And it's something that I think we can all, um, you know, kind of rally around. And, and frankly, for me, just uh, I, I just see it's not only a practical reality that that must be the case for it to scale. But I think it's it's really good news, essentially, for us that, hey, these robots are you know going to be uh, under our control, not the, not the other way around. We're not at the service of the robots. They're at the service of us. Yeah, it's not going to be an iRobot situation where we need right. Will Smith to to save the day. Uh, we're still right. in control, and I think I think I think that's a good thing. Um, yeah, that's a that's an excellent point. So uh, let's talk about deployment. How difficult is it uh, is it to deploy this type of technology? You kind of mentioned earlier that that it's um, you know that that you're OEM agnostic and, and things along those lines. Just talk to me about how difficult, what the timeline is, and that sort of thing when it comes to deployment in a particular facility. Yeah, good question. So um, because our technology, again, it has human, a human brain and intuition, uh, you know, behind it, um, they're really in terms of, say, hardware, software, um, we have really quick time to deployment. So uh, and, and the other thing I'd say is that uh, because um, often what our customers are doing is, again, they're taking an existing vehicle type, an existing pro uh, uh, driver, let's say an existing process, right? 
Um, and what all essentially all that you're doing is you're now taking the human out of that, you know, off the floor and putting them somewhere else. Um, and since that's what our technology enables, it's it's there's not a lot of say change management, right? Or okay, how are we going to like redo all of our process flows, right? There, our customers, um, you know, have the option from really day one, really keeping the exact same operational process flows that they have today. Because again, you still have a human in the loop. You still have a human sitting remotely who's able to oversee or control that whole process. And then over time, let's say as their as their operations change, maybe as other robots are operating in the warehouse and they do have these organizational um, or you know kind of process uh, um, um, changes, right? They're able to make those again quite flexibly because they have they have a human, right, who they're able to actually just say, hey. You know, today, instead of going down this lane, right, go down that lane. And it's that simple. It's that simple. There's no, you know, deploy new code. There's no, oh, we need to remap something. Right. It really you have that human flexibility um, to, to, again, run your operations as you really as you do today, but just with greater efficiency and greater safety. I guess one of the things I, I, I think about, especially as we were talking about, um you know, keeping humans at the center of things and that sort of thing is that there's a huge generation of uh, of people coming uh, that are probably younger than you and I right now, but uh, but that have grown up with esports and video games and that sort of thing. And I almost wonder if if technology like this it really is going to be you know just such a uh, such a motivator for for a new generation to get into these particular areas of work in the marketplace. That might be a stretch, but just thinking about the way that the younger generations interact with technology and that sort of thing, this seems to be something that I think a lot of people would be interested in doing and might create a new wave of employees into particular areas that right now are kind of seeing um, maybe a lack of employees and that sort of thing. I don't know. That's just a thought of mine. A hundred percent. It's not crazy. It's what we're seeing and enabling every day. Um, And it's really exciting. I'd say, and we get this question a lot of like, who makes the best remote operator, right? Like, who, what, what are the, who are these people, right? Um, and and who, what, uh, you know, what are their kind of profiles? So we really see kind of two different types uh, of people who make great remote operators. One is what you mentioned, kind of let's call them digital natives, right? So people, like you said, who are very familiar with uh, playing video games, working on computers, etc. Um, that's type one. Um, and if you're that type of person, then you know the the gap from okay, I, you know I know how to play uh, say a video game to now I I can learn how a forklift operates, how uh, the warehouse operations work. Um, we see those people as being really good remote operators, and of course they need to become very familiar with all of the safety procedures, et cetera, uh, involved and in the safety implications. It's it's certainly different uh, to play a video game than it is to really you know to control a vehicle um, uh, remotely. Um, that's kind of one type. The other type um, is, I'd say, you know, folks who've been operating forklifts or these types of vehicles for years and years, right? So they're very familiar with how a forklift operates, how, what the what a warehouse environment looks like, um, and then with uh, with just a little bit of training familiarization, you know, of what it's like to sit remotely and do that. Uh, we see uh, really kind of quick slope uh, of uh, kind of learning and really within a day or two, you're, you know, the, the, a lot of comfort um, kind of operating that way. Um, so anyway, but back to your point about digital natives, um, it's really one of the uh, a key kind of value proposition and kind of one of those key drivers of, of return on investment that our customers uh, are looking at is expanding the labor pool. Um, you know, there's not, honestly, there's not a lot of um, you know, young folks who who dream of say being remote, uh, sorry, forklift operators, right? Um, but this is a 
it's not only cool, right? Um, but it's something that they can see that, oh, you know, I, I do this job today. This job is going to be around tomorrow, a year from now, five years from now, right? Because they know that uh, today they may be remotely dri driving, you know, a, a forklift. Um, in five years, they may be remotely driving multiple types of forklifts or maybe just overseeing, you know, the autonomous operation of, of uh, you know, a number of, of vehicles. So it's really, it's a future-proof job that younger populations not only find cool and interesting and exciting, but also, you know, future-proof and it's going to be around. Yeah, I think that's that's an excellent point. You you explained that much better than I was uh, I was struggling to. But but the, yeah, that's exactly kind of what I was I was getting at, and that makes a lot of sense. And so, um, Jordan, can you share any uh, maybe client success stories uh, with us? I know you've mentioned a couple of clients already. Just curious, just about how this has been rolled out and what it's looked like in practice with with some of your clients and some of your partners. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Um, happy to share a few stories and really excited that really in the coming weeks, even in months, we have even more kind of uh, uh, client success stories that we'll be able to uh, to speak about um, and and uh, and share with you. But uh, I think one you know one that comes to mind and was kind of recently uh, in the news is our relationship with Geodis. Uh, so Geodis is a uh, large 3PL or third party logistics company. They're a global company um, based in France. Um, and we've been working with them um, really over the last two years um, to uh, deploy re fully remotely operated forklifts. And I mentioned, you know, about the value proposition of expanding the labor force and expanding opportunity for Geodis. That is the number one driver of their um, kind of investment in this in this technology and rolling out this technology is um, tapping into new labor pools. So they geographically isolated. You no longer, for Geodis, they're now able to actually hire operators, right, that aren't, you know, say within driving distance of a, of a given warehouse. Um, I think most importantly, um, expanding um, opportunities to demographics such as uh, women and even the disabled, populations that typically are underrepresented, right, in the logistics industry. Um, and so uh, for them, that was the, really the number one value prop is, hey, let's, you know, provide more opportunity to our workforce. Let's bring more people into into Geodis, right? Let's bring women into the workforce. Let's bring uh, uh, opportunities for disabled folks to uh, actually do this, you know, do this job uh, and and work, uh, you know, to enable our operations. So that's been really, really exciting and really, uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a privilege to work with Geodis, um, you know, in that way and to kind of to see the the fruits of our labor and actually see. You know, um, again, women remote operators, uh, the disabled remote operators, people who otherwise just would not have even maybe thought to work in the industry or would not have even physically been able to to work, uh, you know, uh, say in a warehouse. Um, so that's that's a really great use case. And we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, promise in not only the uh, again, expanding the uh, access, the labor access, but also just increasing the efficiency and productivity you mentioned earlier. Um, you know, kind of clicking the button and being able to teleport between vehicles and between sites. That's exactly um, what, how Geodis is, is kind of rolling out our technology is remote control centers um, where, uh, again, if your labor, you're kind of able to tap into the central bank of labor that can be deployed efficiently across d hours, days or weeks, right, um, across Geodis's very broad network um, so that you have labor when and where you need it. Um, and again, it just unlocks all sorts of productivity increases um, and, um, and again, the safety gains as well of, of just uh, removing humans from that 
from those uh, potentially hazardous environments and giving them this you know, enhanced work experience of, of being able to sit remotely in a comfortable office, interact with, with colleagues in that way, and maybe you know, sip their coffee uh, in between, uh, in between you know, trailer loads and unloads. No kidding. That that does sound uh, that does sound incredible, and that's a that's a fantastic story um, to share with us. Just a great example of utilizing the technology and being able to do some amazing things with it. Um, so, uh, Jordan, as we wrap up today, do you have any final thoughts, any conclusions, or any summaries that you'd like to leave our audience with here as we begin to to wrap up this episode? Just uh, tie a nice bow on this episode for us, will you? All right, all right. I like the challenge. I, I, let me let me reach into my box of tricks. Okay, I think I got one. <laughs> no. Um, so no, I think that you know one of the things that um, uh, we're really seeing is that COVID, um, had this crisis that was upon us, in some ways is still upon us, and we're all hoping is is being lifted. It really caused a, a shock to uh, to to everyone's personal lives, and definitely to the supply chain, right? And I, we're seeing that customers, um, you know, are recognizing um, that uh, they really have to you know act now in order to be ready for. Um, whatever may come in the future, hopefully it's not a health crisis, but really just the all the demands that are now on our supply chain, uh, they have to invest in more resilient uh, supply you know, uh, operations. Um, it's actually a really a, a central mandate even of the Biden administration to invest in supply chain resilience. So I think what, you know, one of the very, the thing that motivates us um, as a company, it certainly is part of what's fueling even some of our growth, but what's, what is, what, it's what really motivates us is that this very, very bad thing of, of the COVID, you know, COVID-19 crisis, as uh, we sit here in 21 and, you know, may drag in the COVID-19, that 19, it may drag into 22. But one of the, one of the kind of outcomes of that, and one of the things we're focused on is making sure that kind of good comes from that, right? And I think there's a lot of potentially good things or, or really good things that are coming out of uh, the crisis. Um, you know, people are having the ability to work remotely, right? Uh, I, if you're a white collar worker, you probably experienced COVID. Um, it probably, um, you know, you were able to work from home, right? Um, of course, there are some disruptions in, in your, say, your day to day, but it was probably a relatively smooth transition. And we think that's going to be a persistent transition in how people work. We think a similar transition is happening, should happen, needs to happen to for blue collar workers. So blue collar workers uh, can and should have uh, similar privileges and opportunity that white collar workers do. And we really see that things, uh, you know, what may be counterintuitive, forklift operator is going to become a somewhat white collar job, right? And I think that kind of vision, and again, we're, we're really at the forefront of kind of enabling that and making that happen and seeing it now happen with our customers um, we really see that there's all, uh, all sorts of good and positive outcomes that can come from that COVID-19 cr- uh, crisis, both on the worker side, again, blue coll- white collar privileges for um, what were previously, you know, blue collar jobs, um, and on the, um, you know, logistics operator side, um, again, in, in je- investing in the supply chain resilience, tapping into a broader labor force, bringing more people um, in, and um, and kind of uh, again having that sort of flexibility that we needed in the the um, you know in the future to ensure the, the safest and, and kind of most productive operations. So I don't know if that exactly tied it up with a ribbon, but I think that you know as the world's thinking remote, um, we see logistics operations also going remote, and we think that uh, there is great opportunities for logistics operators and for, again, for people to actually be part of making this future uh, happen. And it's what that's frankly, that's what motivates me uh, every day. And that's what motivates uh, Phantom as we're working with all of our customers is, is kind of working with them to make that future a reality. 
I think that's a fantastic ribbon that you've pulled out of your uh, your box <laughs> of tricks to tie this episode with. So, uh, so fantastic stuff. Great stuff, Jordan. Uh, Jordan Sanders, VP of Business and Marketing at Phantom Auto. Jordan, where can people go to find more information about Phantom Auto if they have questions, if they'd like to reach out to you? Uh, where should they go? Where can they find more? Yeah, you can uh, find all sorts of information and videos and press and things like that on our website at phantomauto.com. Um, and uh, for anyone interested um, in having a conversation about uh, how remote operation can impact your operations or even uh, uh, per- perhaps trying out the technology, we'll ship you a steering wheel so you can remotely operate a forklift in our warehouse. Uh, you can get in touch with us at, at contact at phantomauto.com. Excellent stuff. Jordan Sanders, VP of Business and Marketing at Phantom Auto. Get in touch with them uh, and, and go visit their website today. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast and uh, and really giving us an intro into everything that Phantom Auto is doing and uh, and some of the incredible things that are that are going on in this world. Um, thank you so much once again for, for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Tyler. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to Ground Truth, a podcast uh, from Phantom Auto. We appreciate it very much. Of course, stay tuned for future episodes of the podcast. And the best way to do that is by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you can stay up to up to date with the latest in thought leadership and insights from the folks at Phantom Auto. Hear from more people like Jordan Sanders coming up very, very soon on the podcast. So stay tuned for that. But for this episode of the show, from my guest, Jordan, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.